0: All right, well, before we begin, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day, and I just thank you so much for all that you've done. I thank you for those that are in this room this morning. And Lord, I pray now that you would just fill this room up with your spirit. Lord, fill me up with your spirit. Uh, Lord, we're looking at your word, and we're hoping and, and trusting, God, that you will present truth to us today. Lord, that's not dependent on just me and the study that I've done, but God, we're truly depending on you and your spirit to uh, bring this message to us today and to deliver it to our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I mentioned um, last week that we had a two-parter. Well, it feels so empty in here today, doesn't it? Uh, we've had some big Sundays. It's, it's tough. I always have a tough time when it's a little bit more empty than normal. I, just, I, I enjoy having a lot of faces here, but that's okay. Because I think that God has brought you here for a reason, and maybe this is exactly why you are here today, is to hear what this is all about. So we've got at least two parts, but now I'm going to add a third part into this this message series, uh, talking about Paul and as he's going to these different cities in Macedonia. Uh, Last week was a focus on the presentation of the gospel. Okay, so that's what we talked about last week the presentation of the gospel and how. How did Paul do that? How did he present the truth of the gospel? And uh, I gave you two reasons last week why this was important. One was so that you know what I'm up to when I'm, I'm talking to you. So when I'm preparing, I'm studying, I'm thinking about what am I going to say on Sunday, right? It's not willy-nilly. I'm actually thinking about what can I say. And you, you find captured in what Paul is doing as, as kind of the focus of what I want to try to do when I'm up here. And so... Uh, here are the points that I gave you last week very quickly. Number one, find common ground. Now, if you were here last week or if you were here Wednesday, now, I always do this, and there's always like nobody answers my questions, okay? Um, But I'm going to try it again anyway. Uh, There was something in the passage from Acts chapter 17. If you need to get your Bible out and, and cheat, that's not actually cheating, getting your Bible out, as we'll see. From today's passage if you wanted to get your bible out and kind of look at acts chapter 17 in the first few verses there to try to figure out what what was it or why did i say that paul wanted to find common ground um and before i just say i might give you a hint um acts 17 verse 1 it's right in the beginning you know what it is don't you what was it yes he went to the synagogue right uh, he went to the synagogue, and we see him doing that all the time. In fact, the passage we're going to be in today, he does it again. He, he's finding some measure of common ground. And I told you guys, when you're working with somebody, you're trying to talk with somebody, maybe it's at work, maybe it's, uh, you're, you're just out in the neighborhood. You're talk- it, it's so good to find some measure of common ground and build off of that. Is there anything at all that you agree on and build from there? Okay? Point number two, take your time. Now, what in the passage did I say might make us think that Paul was willing to take his time? Oh, he beat you to it. Three Sabbaths, right? Three Sabbaths. So basically three weeks go by. So, he could, you know, three consecutive Sabbaths in a row. He goes back to the people of Thessalonica, the Jews that are there, and he's presenting the truth, and he's doing these things. Next point was present your arguments. Okay, Paul reasoned from the Scripture. I'm just going to give you that one. Paul reasoned from the scripture. Do you realize that's what I'm trying to do each and every week? Is to reason with you from the scripture. A uh, little detour. You, you may find in a lot of different churches, um, there's, there's a lot of great churches in this town, but there's a lot of churches in the town that, that what the pastor gets up and talks about, and some, of, some people have even come and shared with me these stories. They get up and they're sharing pleasant little anecdotes. Fun little stories. Now, I might share a story from time to time, but what is the focus? What am I going to try to do? It's reasoning from the Scripture, trying to help you see from the Bible these things. Point number four, give your arguments some substance. Paul explained and proved. Ben Witherington III, my favorite commentator in Acts right now, he said that's the process of opening the mind and the understanding of the hearers. This is what I do every day at school too, isn't it? Because I go and I'm, I'm trying to open up those, those minds of those students and trying to help them understand geometry. It doesn't always work very well. Hopefully it works better here as I'm opening up the scripture, trying to help you see how does this make sense and what does this mean? We see Paul doing that with these Jews, laying out a very logical argument. If the Messiah needed to suffer and die, as you can see from these scriptures, and then Jesus suffered and died and rose again, therefore what must be true? Jesus must be the Messiah of the Old Testament scriptures. Come to... And so he's reasoning with them, trying to help them to see there, there's only one logical conclusion. Jesus must be the Messiah. That's the only conclusion you can come to. That's what he's, he's doing with these people. I gave you this next point. Keep your goal in mind. After he talks with them, it says, some were persuaded and joined. I don't have any problem trying to persuade you that Jesus is the Messiah and that you ought to be following Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't have a problem trying to persuade you to do that. But I put this down, keep your goal in mind, because the goal here is, that's your hope, right? That people will hear you talking, so you're at work. You're you're sharing. In fact, I was excited. A couple of you actually were talking to me about you, you'd you gone to work and you were trying to find ways to share the gospel. And sometimes it's a long process. But look at Paul. It took him three weeks to get somewhere. And then he still had some people were persuaded, but some weren't. But keep your goal in mind. You're hoping to persuade. There's this hope. It's not about winning an argument. Let me ask you. Have, have you ever met a Christian that in their what they might call witnessing, it felt a little bit more like them arguing and trying to prove the other person wrong. Have you ever seen that happen? Be honest, I see a couple of you going, maybe. (laughs) Oh yeah, I could ask that. Have you ever been that person? Yeah, okay, I'll admit that to you. It's so easy because you know this is true, and when somebody's disagreeing with it, especially, I, I always fall into this pattern when I'm talking to somebody who who is an atheist or you get into the scientific aspect and then I start to want to argue like the science with them and I'm like oh you're wrong because of this and this and this and this. that's not my goal is to prove them wrong is it what's the hope that they will be persuaded and join they're not going to want to join with you if you're a jerk right amen amen okay that was a weak amen but I'm going to move on um Next one, present in spite of opposition. You see Paul doing this again and again and again. It specifically mentions it here. Paul continued to speak with the Thessalonians. He even refers to it later in the book of Thessalonians, how he presented even though there was conflict. Once again, don't confuse this with trying to shove it down their throats. You never see Paul trying to shove the gospel down somebody's throat. He might continue presenting with the the fear of potential consequences, but he doesn't shove it down the throat. He continues to spread the gospel in a way that also presents grace. But finally, I put down here last week, be ready to move on. That's exactly what Paul did in, uh, at Thessalonica, right? There were people that took some of the other brothers, but then they, the brothers came back and said, Paul, you need to go to the next town. And Paul did. I think it's amazing that Paul was willing to do that. So let me tell you this. Keep in mind this, when you're trying to present the gospel, and I want to make this very practical. Okay, So I'm going to pause for just a moment and tell you right now, there's not a person in this room, if you know the truth, ought not to be looking for ways to share the truth. So this is important to each and every one of you. So I want to give you this passage of Scripture to keep in mind as you're thinking about what you're doing. Paul the Apostle writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, I planted he mentions this guy Apollos. We haven't heard from him in the book of Acts yet. He says, I, I planted Apollos. He watered. But who does Paul give credit for for the growth, the increase? Who gets the credit for that? God does. And so it's okay. So so maybe you're working with somebody and you, you're able to plant. See, I shared last week of uh, the friend of mine who was an atheist at Georgetown. And I tried for such a long time, a couple of school years worth, to... where I was finally able to start telling him a little bit more and talking a little bit more. A lot of times I had to just sit back and listen to the things that he thought and we shared and we developed a great friendship. He moved on from Georgetown. He lives uh, moved down in southern Illinois somewhere. I've lost contact with him, but my hope is a a verse like this, a passage like this. I'm hoping that maybe I planted a seed of something that's there. Or maybe somebody else had planted it and maybe I got the opportunity to water it a little bit, to, to give it a little bit more substance. But I pray and I hope and I thank God, he's in your hands and I, and I can sit here and I go, he's moved on and I don't have to have this desperation of like, oh no, because I'm telling you what, God has got this, doesn't he? And I don't know if you know this, but God has people everywhere. And I just always hope that when he got down to the new school he was at, there was another math teacher that would like to talk about Jesus that he met. I just keep hoping that part, but I don't know what happened with him. I hope someday to see him in heaven, right? That's the hope. And so I think about this and I think, man, God, I I feel excited about the opportunity to just participate in whatever the process is. For you, it might be some person at work and maybe they are so obstinate but you're able to just say one little thing. And that may be the only thing you could do. That person may shut you down, but you don't know what that might have done. And I want you to rest in God's grace as you try to share the gospel that, hey, this is God's the one doing this. He's just inviting you in to be a part of the process. I get to, because I'm a pastor, I get the opportunity many times to be on the very tail end of that. A lot of times, I in fact, some of you in this room, you've heard the gospel. There's been people in your life that have planted and watered and everything else. And I was able to be there when you finally said, all right, God, I'm all in. Kind of a privileged thing to be here at a church and to be a pastor, to get to see those end results with many of you. Now, you and I both know that conversion is a work of the Spirit, and that's what we're talking about. The Spirit of God does this in people's hearts. But trusting in the Spirit's work does not mean that we don't put forth efforts to participate in the Spirit's work. Let's put this up here. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going I'm to read this. Um, you guys read the words that are in bold yellow. Okay, so I'm going to start. You say the words that are in yellow nice and loud for me, okay? Can we do this? Um, but... In the Spirit's work does not mean that we don't put forth to participate in the Spirit's work. Okay? Trusting in the Spirit's work does not mean that we don't put forth efforts to participate. And so this is what a lot of this is about, is thinking, okay, uh, as I participate in the Spirit's work, I want to try to say things that, that I think, and I could be totally off, but at least I think that maybe the Spirit might be trying to say to people's hearts. Now, God is able to take your put, you know, ramshackle words and present a wonderful message to the heart. But don't you want to be a part of that process and try to, that's what you're trying to do is trying to come up with the words and say things and reason and and, and persuade. That's what your hope is to do. And I tell you what, you will never get there unless your words are full of grace. Because what's the Spirit going to be doing in a person's heart? Speaking grace. But now, as much as this is true with our role as presenting the gospel it's also true with our role as recipients of the gospel. Trusting in the Spirit's work. So you come to church, you read your Bibles, and you're trusting that the Spirit is going to teach you things. Okay, But trusting the Spirit's work does not mean that we don't put forth efforts to participate. So you're trusting that the Spirit is going to teach you things. It doesn't mean you just sit back and go, all right, God, give it to me. But what it can do you do? You can say, okay, I want to participate in this. Problem. How does... The Spirit want me to try to learn. I know that if I'm going to learn something, it's going to be God doing that in me. what, What can I do to participate in this as much as possible? So let's talk about this today, the reception. of the. So we talk about the presentation of the gospel today, the reception of the gospel. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. I'm going to read through this passage with just a little bit of commentary, and then at the end we're going to come back and give you some points to think about here. Verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and that's where we ended last week. So they were in Thessalonica. The brothers say, take off, right? Go to the next city. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue, which is exactly what Paul, that has been his pattern. This is where they've left Thessalonica. The the people of Thessalonica had taken some money from that guy named Jason as security. Um, But now they said, go ahead and go. Notice that Paul follows this similar routine. And we can assume from this that Paul does much of the same stuff. Now, it's not going to go into detail about the seeking to persuade and reasoning, but we can assume that he's doing the same, following the same pattern as he goes to the synagogue. And so Luke, instead of describing the whole thing again, he just says, he went to the synagogue. Now, these Jews, Luke writes, were more noble. Than those in Thessalonica. A little bit of a description. It says, They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, this is the verse I'm going to come back to in a minute, so I'm not going to give too much commentary right now. I want to come back to this one. So keep this one in mind. I want to point out one thing and let you soak it in as we go through the rest. That word noble, they were more noble. An interesting word choice. There's a quality, and we'll talk about what this word means exactly in a minute, but there's a quality to these Jews that was not present in the Jews at Thessalonica. That's what Luke is pointing out to us. Continues on. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. And so we have a similar result. There's conversions happening in the city. But when the Jews from Thessalonica heard uh, or learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, okay, now remember, they looked to try to find Paul and they couldn't find him. So they grabbed Jason and his friends and took them in and got some money from them. Couldn't find Paul. So can you imagine what they're thinking when they hear they're up in Thessalonica and they hear, hey, that Paul guy, he's in Berea now. And they go, saddle up, boys. Let's go. (laughs) Right. And they head off after Paul. He's down in Berea. Let's go get him. I mean, that's what they do here the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul and Berea also they came there too agitating and stirring up the crowds this is actually not the first time that this has happened when Paul went to Lystra uh, people from the previous city had followed him there and stirred up the crowds there as well so this is happening again and again people are, that get upset with what Paul's doing they follow him around kind of a reverse fan club to try to stir up the crowds and try to shut him down uh, verse 14, then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. The Silas and Timothy remained there. So it's, it's only Paul who sent away this time. So again, and I, I think part of this now, the sending away, I, I thought of two things when I, I recognized this. Number one, Paul is willing to have these brand new Christians say, hey, we think you should move on, and him go, okay. There, there's a measure of humility there, I think. Now there's some times that Paul, that people say you shouldn't go there because it could be dangerous, and he says, God's told me to go there, I've got to go anyway. But right now, I think the people of these, these new churches are recognizing the value that Paul is presenting to them as he's presenting to them the gospel. And they're thinking, he, he's something we, we need to help protect him. We need to look out for him. He's not going to look out for himself, as we've seen from his history. And so they're ready to move him on to the next place. Now, Silas and Timothy remained there, and we're going to see that eventually they're going to catch up with him. Um, those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. And so that's where we're going to pick up next week in Athens. Now, let's go back. Let's take a look at that verse again. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Uh, One of the commentaries I read defined this word. It says, someone who is open, this word noble, someone who is open, tolerant, generous, Basically having the qualities that go with good upbringing. That's what the word meant. Originally it had to do just with your family relations, just like what we think of as a nobility, right? But the word had become, by this point, to mean someone who was open, tolerant. Think of it this way. Someone who's civilized enough to listen and hear what's going on, right? So these Jews at Berea are more noble than the ones at Thessalonica, Thessalonica, and Luke says it's because they were more Noble. So when we think about recipients of the gospel, and so now you need to make this real personal. I'm talking today. Today you're recipients. Okay? Number one, we can see from this. The reception of the gospel needs to be characterized by that attitude. Open recipients of the gospel. People who come here, and when you come in here and you sit down, Do you think to yourself, God might have something for me today? God might have something for me to learn. Now, I have to say on a side note, before I had this nice white beard, it was was a little bit more difficult to listen to this young guy get up here and talk. There's something about the beard, man. It just, you know, he must have some wisdom. Look at that beard. Yeah, no, no, they're laughing at me. Okay, so obviously that's not the case, right? But here's the thing. Your your hope is not in me, correct? You're hoping as you get here that when you walk into this room, this miracle is going to happen. Somehow God, and you may not even know the the process, and it's not really important to what we're saying, but somehow God, your hope is, will take this fallible human being that stood up here in front of you, and the end result of what is presented from my lips as you receive it into your heart is that you're going to hear something from God. That's a if that has happened here, who ought we to praise? God. Praise the Lord. That's why you'll hear me sometimes if anybody ever says to you in the hey, good sermon today, I say, man, that was all God. You might say thanks, but then I also say that that was that was God. I mean we hope, think about that. We hope for a miracle each and every week. You're hoping for a miracle every week that somehow. Right, And John's smiling because he has to do this sometimes too. And that's what we do. We're hoping for a miracle. How is God going to take me and present the truth to you? But I'm telling you right now, do you come to this building with an openness and a readiness and a willingness? Are you more noble? Do you have that measure of nobility in you to come in here and say, I might have something to learn. Let me ask you, do you think there are people who walk into church and they think they already know everything that they need to know? Do you think that happens? Absolutely. I appreciate so much those that come in here and they're like, I'm ready to learn something. Some of you, I can see it on your faces just as you listen. You're like, teach me something. Right? I want to learn something. Even if it's something little... Open recipients of the gospel. In James chapter 1, James writes, therefore, he says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And then he says this, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This word that's translated meekness has this idea of humility. It goes hand in hand with an openness. See, someone who is, is open to come and listen and, and maybe learn something today, no matter how old you are and you're sitting in this room, if you come in here and think, maybe I can learn something about God today that I didn't know before. Or maybe I might learn a new application or, or a new way to, to apply this to my life as I walk out of this building. Or, or maybe, the, maybe God might reveal a, a new sin that I didn't even realize I was struggling with in my heart. There there's must be a certain humility for that to happen. But if you walk in here smug thinking, I'm, I'm pretty good. Look at me, I even came to church today. Right? No. Someone who is a good recipient of the gospel comes here and says, I, I'm here today because I need it. I know there's something, I don't even know what I need yet. Sometimes you do when you walk in, don't you? I need something to do with God. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you walk in, and, and I, I can verify for myself. There's been times, even even as the presenter I'm talking, there's been times where I've been talking going, well, that's pretty good. Not like me, but I'm thinking, man, God, I didn't even know. Where did that point come from? God, you're amazing. And I've, been, I've walked out of here going, I needed that. I needed that. Open recipients of the gospel. Going back to that same verse, notice next in verse 11, it says, they receive the word with all eagerness. They receive the word with all eagerness. Now i got to be honest. Very few of you in this room today look very eager to be receiving the word. Well, some of you do. Eagerness. Think of it as this, this righteous energy to, I want to soak it, so good. give me something, I need something. I always love people that are going through trials when they come to church because they come to church and they're like, I just need something to make it through the week. And they're hoping they're like, wait, it, it, it reminds me of somebody like waiting for scraps to fall. It's like my, my wife's dog, you know, we we're eating biscuits and gravy and he'll stand there like, give me a biscuit. You know, I need a biscuit. It, that's exactly what happens. Right? And she's so nice. She gives them a biscuit. But. You know, we say, I mean, that, that's what you ought to be like. You're coming in here, and I love that when people come in here, that when they're going through things, they come in here, and that's kind of the same look. They don't look like the dog, but they have the same look as the dog does. Like, I just, I'd take a crumb off of God's table. One tidbit of truth, just any little thing, because i got to make it through another week. And I know I'm not going to do it without God. And I love, I love seeing your faces when you're here. And so, I'm telling you right now, you may think I don't see everything, but I, when you're up here, and anybody that's been a speaker before, you can tell, I'm telling you right now, I see every look that you make. And I can tell when some of you are just going, you're, you have that look on your face, like this look of desperation. I need some bit of truth from God today. And so you're sitting here and you're ready, and you're like, I need to hear it. Eager recipients of the gospel. It's not just open, but eager. A verse here for you. Peter writes this. He says, "Like newborn infants, long after the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good." But focus on the first part of that. That that. In fact, some of you that have these new grandbabies and great grandbabies, it's so fun when you like. You can even take your finger, like they. You know they. They're not understanding what's going on. But this brain new You just take your finger and just, just touch. Their lip. What do they do? When the, come on. Oh yeah, it's called. Yeah. Oh, I forgot there was a name for this. They they root right. They're like this might be some milk. you know, and it's so fun to. I used to taunt my children with that. You know, for Josiah. You know, like, take the thing. Well, ah, you know, nothing here. You know, okay, I wasn't quite that mean about it, but it is fun to like. Oh, and they just watch them just. That's the illustration that Peter says we ought to be like when it comes to the Bible. Like a newborn infant that's rooting for the word. That's the way you ought to be. If you want to be a good recipient, if you want to be more noble like these Bereans, be eager. And like a newborn baby, say, I got something. Right? There's got to be a little bit of something I got to get. That's what he says we ought to be like. Tony Merida writes this in his commentary on Acts. He says, "Oh, that churches would be filled with people longing for more, or longing more for biblical food than for Sunday morning cotton candy entertainment, funny stories, pithy anecdotes. May God grant us a Berean appetite for the Scriptures." I'd take a a church with. Five people in it that are all eager to hear the word of God over a mega church of people that are just there for the entertainment. I'm telling you, there's some mega churches where it's full of people that are eager to hear the word of God. This has nothing to do with size. But I'm telling you right now, I'd take a small group of people any day, but a group that's here to say, I just want to hear the word of God. One of my favorite things about a small church is we don't have a bunch of cotton candy stuff to offer I think our music is wonderful, but we don't have a bunch of programs. And so if you're here today, I, I think and I hope that many of you are here today simply for that fact because you go, this church, they don't have a bunch of programs for me, but man, I know, and I, I'm, I'm being completely, I hope, I hope, I hope this is true. I hope that when you come here, your hope is, you know, I, I believe that when I go to Edgewood, that when I walk out, I'll be able to say, I heard God's word preached and I, I learned something about the Bible and I heard it. I heard it, it was there, I learned something from it. I walked out, and I've got something I can do with it this week. I hope that if you're here today, that's why you're here. I hate, I hate to say it, but if you're here for all the other stuff, we may never have it. Okay, we may never have all those those the, the flashy things. I'm not against flashy things; they can be fun. But I hope that you're here for these reasons. And I think I like the way Tony Meredith says it. Oh, like the O oh at the beginning. Oh, man. Oh, the churches will be filled with people longing more for biblical food. There's an epidemic in churches been going on for a long time of kids and teens leaving the churches in busloads. We've seen it at Edgewood. We've had kids come and make it to a certain point and It's so difficult to make that transition between, in fact, and I I think this is exactly being a teacher of high school kids and knowing so many kids that have gone to teen groups and loved teen groups and everything else. It's such a difficult transition for many of our kids today to go from fun teen group to church. And I think the main reason why, I believe the main reason why is that what we're not doing in those teen groups, which I I think we're doing here, we're trying to do this here, But what we're not doing in teen groups and children's churches is trying to foster a hunger for God's Word. And so so what happens? A lot of these kids, they're they're in the teen group and they're not there for God's Word. Whether it's being presented or not is is less of a point that that's not been fostered. So what happens when they, they get out of the fun teen group and they go to sit in church? They're like, well, this isn't that fun anymore. And then they just kind of vanish. The ones that stay... And there's been studies, the the Barna Group has done studies on this. The ones that stay, one of the the key elements for the ones that stay are the ones that have made a connection between what they were getting in teen group, whether it was fun and exciting, or it was just some people getting together. They made a connection that this is a place, that church is a place to get to know God. And there's then this connection that's been made. So then they get out, right? In fact, you also see that when those that get out, that come back, Why do they come back? Is because they start to realize that church is a place, church is this place that regardless of everything else, it's a place that I know that I get to learn about God. Enough on that. Next one. Third. Notice it says this in that same verse. It says they were examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Think about that little combination there. Examining to see. They're they're examining. so, So Paul's saying it. And they're not just going, Okay. They're going, Hold up, Paul. Okay, you're right. Paul says something else. I don't know if it went quite like this, but I imagine there's some element of this. Paul present maybe he presented something out of Isaiah about the Messiah needing to suffer. I picture these Jews going, Wait. He's right. Okay, proceed. This is good. You're right. They're examining to see if it's true. So let's say it this way. Careful. We have open recipients of the gospel, eager recipients of the gospel. Now we have people who are careful recipients of the gospel. They exhibit a measure of care as they listen to what's being said. They think about it. Maybe they went home and discussed it. Maybe they met in smaller groups to consider it. I have to ask you, do you do, do you do this? What do you do after the sermon on Sunday? Maybe at lunch, you're sitting around the table, you're eating your Do You go, well, what did you think about that that he said? Well, I never really considered that. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit more. Some of my favorite uh, uh, people that have come to church, in fact, I'm just going to tell you, one of my favorite people that I've spoken to is my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law doesn't take anything I say at face value. True, right? I love it. Because if I say something that she hasn't thought of before, she goes, hold up. I'm going to have to think about that one. And she does. And she will come back to me sometimes weeks later and go, you remember that thing you said, I've been, I've been thinking about it, I was praying about it, and I, I went to the Word, and I've been studying it, and you know what, I think you might have been right. I love it when she says that part. But I, I so appreciate that she does that, and I think that's the way we all ought to be. To say, let me think about that. I've got to consider that. And there's a humility that goes there, because there's this, this idea that, it goes back to this first one, there's this, this openness that says, I might be wrong about some things. And so if you present something that's different than what I thought, instead of just rejecting it outright or even accepting, maybe it's something that I go, man, I really like that. I hope that's true. I'm just going to believe it, right? No, we don't do that either. We say, well, I've got to think about this. What does the Word say? And that's exactly what these brains did. They were careful um, was as they study the Word of God. And let me show you this here. This is uh, Paul writing to Timothy. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker has no need to be ashamed, but I want to focus on this last phrase here. He's talking Timothy, and he's telling him Timothy is a young preacher. He tells him to do something important. He says, rightly handling the word of truth. Now, when you read that, understand that that means there could be a wrongly handling the word of truth. And there's so many scriptures that talk about that exact thing, that there are false teachers in this world. And we ought to be diligent to recognize false teaching. There is a right way and a wrong way to handle the word of truth. I love that uh, Peter actually writes in his letter when he's talking about Paul's letters. He says, some of those things are hard to understand. But he makes this reference where he says, but then I go back to Jesus. And that's exactly what I tell people. If you're reading the Bible and you read something that's difficult to understand, and you go, man, I don't know about this. This seems weird. Go back to something that you already know. That's tough. Let me go back over here. I know Jesus, and he's full of grace and mercy. So if I'm reading this and it can't quite connect it, I'm going to sit this to the side and say, God, when you're ready for me to understand that, I'm, I'm ready to hear it. And you'll find the more you do that, the more that that knowledge of who Jesus is and God's plan for this world and God's plan for you begins to grow because you, you take on those things that God reveals to you when he does. And you become okay with saying, God, you can reveal to me whatever you want to reveal to me and whenever you want to reveal it to me. God, if you want me to grow nice and slow, taking baby steps to understand you, I'm okay with that. If you want to jump me way ahead of the game and reveal some big truth to me, I don't know if I'm okay with that, but I'll take it. But we ought to be people who, regardless, we're ready to learn, but we're careful to learn. We're saying, is this true? Is this true? Finally, back to this verse here. Notice, and I skipped over this word with the things around it. I don't want to miss this one word right here in the middle. Daily. You see that they were daily examining the Scriptures. Daily, every day. Number four, regular recipients of the gospel regular recipients of the gospel we see this already in Acts chapter 2 when we were studying that very very first church it said that they met daily there's lots of ways that you can do this but I want to go to this next slide here and I want to put these things up here and I want to ask this question how can you do this? Let's start with the first one there, an open recipient. Now, one of the things I do at school, and now this won't work for some of you, may need to, to, to kind of yell across the, the aisle if you have to. But at school, we talk about what we, we call as, a, as an elbow partner. okay? Somebody that's right next to you. Oh man, you guys are going to hate this, I can tell already. Um, uh, this is what I want you to, do. I want to Let's just do one question time. I want you to think about this question here, and it can be somebody that's right next to you. If, you, if you're not sitting right next to somebody, uh, you know, slide over a little bit here. So Amber, you might have to slide down and say hi to Norm. Amanda, you can either go back or talk to John. right? Steve, you can just turn around and talk to people behind you, or maybe I'll talk to Steve. I don't know. You guys can just shout across the aisle over here. Uh, okay, here's the thing. When you ask yourself this question, how can I be an open recipient of the gospel? I want you to try to think of one Way that you can increase your openness to the gospel? This is a tough one. The, the toughest one's the first one. Uh, the, the last one's easy. Okay? We'll start, we're just starting with the toughest one here. Well, what's a way that you can increase? You know what? In fact, I'm going to just change my notes here. Let's start with the last one because the last one's easy. Let's start with an easy one. Tell me a way. Come up with a way with your elbow partner, the per, person next to you. What's a way that you can be regular in the Word of God? Oh, good, see, at least somebody's working with me here. What's a way that you could, so, so I'm going to give you about one minute, okay? So talk with the person next to you and say, what's a way that you could regularly be in the Bible? Okay? And Steve and Frank are looking at each other across the aisle over there. They're both thinking, I wonder if he's going to move. <laughs> you can just shout. What's a way that you can be in the Bible on a regular basis, All right, now in just a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if any of you want to volunteer some, some ways that you can do that. There's a, there's a bunch of good answers here, and I'm hoping to get some that I haven't heard before. All right, time's up. All right, let's hear some of you. I want to hear some of your ideas. you. Raise your hand so we're not just all shouting at the same time. Raise your hand. I'm calling you. I'm in teacher mode, guys. Sorry. Uh, raise your hand. What's a way that you can be in the Word of God on a regular basis? Yes. Oh, that's a great one. Set, set a scheduled time. I have, to, I have to be scheduled with mine or I'll, I'll miss it. And so I love that. Set a scheduled time, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she said too much information. Uh, hey, you know what? You, yeah, you got to do what works. So you know, you're going to be there at some point during the day. Right? That's a good one. Yes. I was actually,
1: me. interesting, confirming on the way to church today, Samuel just left for college. Um, he's he's been open with us that he struggled with David's library and I have the same struggle and so I was thinking on the way I'm like I'm going to get with him and like we'll text back and forth every day just to hold each other mm-hmm. accountable just so you have to say to another person
0: I, yeah, didn't, do it I didn't do it Yeah.
1: you know and I, as his mother I think the pressure for me to have to admit that to him will be helpful to me and, mm-hmm. and we'll but I think finding someone—if
0: it's really a struggle—finding
1: someone that
0: you can be accountable to, yeah. helps with regular. That's a—that's—that's actually—that's one of my favorite ones—is that accountability. If you've got somebody you know is going to ask you, "What'd you read today? What have you been studying?" It, let's be honest—that motivates you a little bit, doesn't it? Because after a while, you don't want to tell them nothing. You want be able to say something. And you want to be able to share those things. Yeah, absolutely. Accountability. Anybody else have one? What's what's another way? Yeah. You know what? That is so true. Yeah. Yeah, let me talk about that one for a second. That is so true. That's the thing. I I can remember when I first became a Christian, sometimes it was like like something like reading the Bible. It it might be once a week (laughs) if I was lucky. And it grows, right? And for some people, it's, you know, I came to church today, you know? Some people, it's, I'm getting a little bit more into it. Then you might find people, and I, I don't want to steal Janie's. I have a feeling I know what one of Janie's is going to be, but I, I won't say it yet. So I'm going to go ahead. You had your hand up. Well, have you know, just a, mm-hmm. that, that is a struggle that, for me, is sitting down, fighting
1: down. That's a struggle. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Yeah, the so attitude, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, you yeah. you Yeah. Yeah. So I a three year old and two year old so Oh yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that that's coming up because understand that when we, we when we talk about these things, it's never, ever, ever about judgment. Like, oh, or even even pride, like, oh, I read the Bible every day. You know, that's not what it's about. We're, we're all we're all here, like, you know, going, well, we're trying to get better at this. You know, and we rejoice when some people, you know, hey, and, and if you see somebody doing something that's working for them, you will how what are you doing? Because I'm struggling with this. That, I mean, that's what it's about. We're a family in God here and we're encouraging each other. Now, the one I thought Gina was going to say, a way to be regular in the Word is the radio, Christian radio. It, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. mm-hmm yeah yep wow, so yeah I-39 yep yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah yeah absolutely but that 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 can be such a now, and we've got the internet now. I mean, sometimes if I have, I I don't always know when to catch what's on the radio station, but if I have an opportunity, sometimes I just I know I can pull up a sermon from John Piper or whoever I want to listen to, and I can pull it up and listen to it almost any time, any place. I mean, there's there's all kinds of ways that you can fill it. In fact, one of my favorite things to do is uh, uh, there's a, a website called the Gospel Coalition. They have regular things that they talk about, just short little clips. And so if I'm out working on my car. Instead of just playing music, sometimes I just turn that on and it's in the background. Well, I mean, there's so many little ways that we can begin to do this. All right, you guys did great with that one. Let me, let me go to the, the next one here. We'll work backwards. How can you be careful recipients? Now, see, if, I, if this was a classroom and I was an actual teacher to you guys, I, I would be making you guys all move around and find a new partner. But I won't do that to you. I won't do that to you. I'm tempted to. It's very tempting, but I won't. Um, uh, talk with your elbow partner again, and I want you to think about what's a way that you can be careful recipients? Now, this one's a little bit tougher. I gave you some hints when I was talking about it. But what's some ways that you can be careful recipients? So you're hearing the Word of God. How can you be careful with how you're hearing? Go ahead and talk amongst yourselves.
1: I don't like my elbow
0: partner. <laughs> Is that what you said? That's no, that's not helpful. we got some good ones. All right. Time's up. Yes. Oh, that's a wonderful one. Ask God. Yeah. In fact, I didn't have that on my list, but that, I think that's better than what I had on my list because that, that's where we ought to start, isn't it? God, give me wisdom and clarity. And he promises wisdom, doesn't he? He promises wisdom to He said, so if anybody lacks wisdom, ask of God. He gives everybody liberally. That's a wonderful one. Anybody else? Oh, let's see. Second um, Timothy two fifteen. Anybody else? How can what, what's something you can do to, be, to help yourself be careful recipients? You got one. I was going to say compare it with other things you're reading and or
1: listening to. Hmm. Fit in with these other things I've been hearing
0: and listening Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mine goes right along. That's kind of the same. I was going to
1: say try to avoid making any major decisions about
0: your life based on one verse. Yeah. Very dangerous. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So considering becoming a person that considers the counsel of God's. Yeah, the whole. Yeah.
0: Yeah. was there a hand over here no yeah oh yeah um, that, that one is so important I think uh, just having somebody that you're talking to and you say and that's why I suggested earlier I said you know when you, when you get home or you're sitting around the table what do you think about that you know what do you think about this somebody else may have heard of something you completely missed yeah well, I think
1: busy mm. night is so fun. I love night. and it's hard to get here. But it I, is that's it's very hard to get here. It's hard for everybody to get here. We're all really tired, and, and you have to make yourself win. But like that is such a like um, easy environment to mm-hmm. just throw out questions and do and like check yourself. Yeah, and check
0: you. Yeah, I mean, there's been questions from people who're like, I did, I don't know, mm-hmm. like.
1: I love, I think that holds. Not only, I think Wednesday not only helps us be careful, but helps
0: you. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it does. It really helped me because if I know that I'm going to talk to you guys about this on Wednesday, <laughs> I better know what I'm talking about, right? Um, I do. I like Wednesday too. In fact, if you're curious what Wednesday is like, it's kind of like this right now, except we're in a smaller room and you have more opportunities to interrupt me. So, that, right, that's right. That you can just. Wait a minute, I don't know about this, right? You, we can just, whoa, hold on. And we can, we can talk about it. And we, we've, had, we've got on some big rabbit trails, haven't we? I mean, we, we can get detoured, but it's all good because we're, we, we bring it back and we're, we're thinking about, we're, we're seeing where that passage of Scripture we talked about today, where's that taking us, right? And so if you're curious what it's like, it's about like what we're doing right here. I kind of present a question, we talk for a minute, I get some things, feedback from you, okay? Um, I don't want to cut anybody off. In fact, we can go back if we need to, but let's look at the next one, we're working backwards. This is a tough one to try to answer. And so when you talk with your elbow partner, and once again, I'm so tempted to make you guys move, but when you talk to your elbow partner this time, I want you to ask this question because it's hard to say, how can I be eager? But let me ask it this way. How can you build eagerness for the gospel? I mean, think about that. I don't want to give away where I think you could go with this, But once you talk with your partner, how how can you build? You may be thinking, I don't even know how to build eagerness in anything. But how can you build? Can you build eagerness? Can you can you work on this, or is there other things you could do to go ahead and talk amongst yourselves? Give you thirty seconds. How can you build eagerness? Is this one a little bit tougher to answer. No. All right, all right. Time's up. Uh, eagerness. How can you what? How can you build eagerness? Yeah. Mm, oh, that's a really good one. So, don't hesitate to ask questions. So, if I say something, is like, oh, I don't know. Or that's interesting, right? Some of you, I, I love. You know, when we're when we're going out, and sometimes I stand by the door. There's always a few of you that there's some random thing that I didn't even notice that, that just jumps in my head. I never thought about that. And sometimes it's not a key thing, but just something that you're curious about. Ask questions about those things. That's good. Anybody else? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. My wife added a word to that. Remember, just remember, like, he, I know what he's done in the past, right? I, I think he's going to continue to do those things. That's good. That's good. Anybody else? What can you do to build eagerness? Yeah. Pray that God
1: wouldn't change your desires. Mm. Pray that God would continue to shape your desires be closer to His desires.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that comes back to even what we were talking about with reading the Scripture and trying to be in it daily, asking God, right? And so even be, or being careful, right? Praying for wisdom. Same thing, true. It, 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 we need to be saying, Lord, build eagerness within me. If you find yourself in the, the doldrums of Christianity, and let's be honest, that can happen. You can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's some days you might wake up and you go, I don't feel like going to church today. Pray, Lord, help me. Help me. Yeah. Well, I I we were discussing it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, He had some good points, too. But we've talked about how it's been psychologically proven that you feel more passionate about what you spend your time doing, Mm -hmm. what you spend your time investing in. So if you ignore an area of something, you're going to inevitably feel less passionate or less eager about that. Yeah. So taking that step of faith to, like, dive into it more
0: regularly will naturally build an eager passion for it. Absolutely. And let, let me say that again louder with the mic. Sorry, everybody here. That there, and there has. There's been studies that have shown that people who are passionate, some people wonder, why are these people passionate? Many times passion doesn't, isn't just something in you. Many times passion, they found, comes from what you've put effort into. And so the more effort you put into something, what happens many times? You begin to be more passionate about that thing that you And you may recognize this. Uh, Maybe you've worked on a project at home, and and by the time you're done, you're like so passionate about trying to get this thing exact. Why? Because you put a bunch of effort into it, right? And so one way to build eagerness, build passion, is by putting effort into it, working at it, working at it, working at it. And you may find the more effort you put into it, you begin to develop that passion for these things that have to do with God. Yes, involvement, just being there, right? Right? being there around it, having it be a part of your life on a regular basis, these are good. Now, we're running a little late, so I'm going to wrap this up. We're back up to that top point, open recipients. I just want to conclude this by saying, it, in fact, I'm so glad that I, I didn't have this in my notes, but working backwards even helps me to think about that last one because I'm sitting here now thinking about it. When you start working at these other things, I think there's, it, it works both ways. Number one, there, there has to be some measure of openness to the gospel, thinking that, that, that humility to say there might be something I need to learn. That will influence all those other things. You're going to be right. You're, you're going to be careful. You're going to be eager. But where did that come from? Much of it comes from that openness. But then you may find the other thing is true. As you work on those things, what starts to happen is you start to learn things. You start to go, man, maybe there's a whole bunch of other things I didn't know. And then the openness, even then, so it kind of feeds like a cycle back around, I think. There's so much to this, but I just want to point out, as we close, the Brians more noble than the Thessalonians. And what did Paul do? He said, why? And it's because of these things. They were open. They were eager. They were careful. But they were regular recipients of the gospel. So if you wanted to today walk out of here, And and make it through your week and come back next week and the week after that. If you would like to have that kind of thought be said about you, you know, those Edgewoodians (laughs) they're more noble than but why? Those Edgewoodians, you know what they do? They they're they're open to the, the Bible. They're eager recipients. They're careful recipients and they're regular recipients of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for this day, and I thank you, Lord, for, thank you for your word. I thank you for the Bereans. Thank you for Luke, who wrote about them and described how they received the gospel. Father, I ask that you would help each and every one of us in this room to walk out of here today and, and through this week to, to allow these ideas to influence our hearts in such a way where we seek to be more open and we seek to be more eager. In fact, Lord, I just want to ask for that eagerness. God, help us to crave your word, to crave its truth, to crave the the grace that we find there, to crave the wisdom that you present to us. God, I pray that you'd help us to be in your word as much as we can. Help us to grow, Lord, whether it be from once every once in a while to more than that, Lord. I pray that Uh, This week would be the first steps of growing in our, our getting into your word. Lord, finally, I just pray for this church as a whole. God, help us to be focused on your word. Lord, that we may be like this Berean group. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.